Good morning, church, and welcome to today's service. Are you excited about the Super Bowl? I know when it's that time of the year, uh, this country particularly is all ears and very excited and looking forward to that event. But before that, we are glad to be in church and we are glad to worship the Lord. Amen. Let's pray before we get right into it. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to minister to your people. We ask that your word will come forth in simplicity and in clarity of speech. I pray that your word will minister to us, O Lord, wisdom. In your word, may we see light. In your word, may we see wisdom. In your word, may we come into great contact with wisdom that it will show forth in its manifestation that indeed we are children of God. Amen. <laughs> Let's read James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Excuse me. <clears throat> James 3, verse 13 to 18. As we continue our unexpected series on wisdom, uh, today is our third installment, so please follow along as I read. James chapter 3. Verse 13 to 18, I read, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, Confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those Recording who make peace. Amen. Last week from our scripture reading, we looked at the sub-theme, the hallmarks of wisdom. And to get an accurate biblical portrait of that, we firstly had to understand what wisdom isn't. And if you look at the Jews at that time, and even in our contemporary times, the yardstick that they used to determine someone was wise is very faulty or shaky. You know, they were looking at people who were eloquent, people who have verbiage, they are able to talk, you know. Uh, charismatic speakers have a way of capturing your attention. I do remember when Barack Obama stood for the election, very unknown. All that we know is that he was a council leader or a community leader, or once upon a time rose up to the ranks of governorship. But I believe his ascent rose very quickly and very fast because of the way he was able to talk. He was, a, he was just an eloquent speaker. And sometimes we will use that as a yardstick to determine someone that's wise, someone who is eloquent, someone who can talk with the likes of Bill Clinton, you know, Barack Obama, and any of the captivating speakers you know. When we, we, we see people like that, we use that yardstick to determine they are wise. And in the Bible times, that was how it was. James was addressing teachers 
or wannabe teachers. You know, if you read chapter 3 of verse 1, James said that don't be in a hurry or in a haste to be a teacher because know that there is a stricter judgment on those who heap upon themselves self-professing titles. Now, a, a, a casual reading at verse 1, you may think that James was trying to prohibit people from stepping into the ministry. That was not uh, the motive. But he just wanted people to have that sobriety and that reverence, thinking that you cannot just enter or assume a certain position or a certain spiritual office just by eloquence. You have to do it because God has called you. Um, so these Jews, they judge people by people who are eloquent and people who are knowledgeable. But we came to realize through the scriptures that that is not the yardstick of wisdom. In fact, if we want to know the yardstick of wisdom, Apostle James said it. He said, conduct and works. These are the two criteria that determines who is wise. Conduct as in good conduct or good character and works. Your works will flow out of your character. You can't divorce the two. So, Apostle James, instead of looking at knowledge, eloquence, and the like, that, you know, sometimes worldly people will use as criteria to judge who is wise, Apostle James is rather by the Spirit of the Lord entreating that we have to go beyond that because that is very superficial. When we are talking about wisdom, you have to look at good conduct, good character, which is based in Christ-likeness, and then the works that come out of a regenerated or a born-again spirit. But before that, he furthermore talked about wisdom, which is inspired by the earth, wisdom which is inspired by senses and demons. And that's why last two weeks, when we defined wisdom, we said that wisdom is the ability to skillfully use knowledge you comprehend by inspiration. I always think that when I define that word wisdom, my most important word there is by inspiration. What inspires you to use knowledge skillfully? And right here in James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18, we see two kinds of wisdom. We see the wisdom that is from above, and we see the wisdom that is earthly, sensual, and demonic. You see, both kinds of wisdom can use knowledge skillfully, but the inspiration behind the wisdom, the inspiration behind putting knowledge into practice is key and of paramount importance here. Amen. So before Apostle James talked about wisdom, he furthermore explained that this wisdom is based on envy and self-seeking. And this kind of wisdom really paints a picture of confusion and every evil thing existing. People who operate on this kind of wisdom, they always want to pull a fast one. Always want to pull the wool over your eyes. They are so interested in being sneaky, crafty, uh, being shrewd, and, and thinking that that is wisdom. But that's not wisdom. That, that is wisdom that is of the senses, wisdom that is of the earth, and wisdom that is demonic. And the base of it is envy and self-seeking. Any, any kind of wisdom that is based on selfishness is not godly wisdom. 
Amen. So I pray that as we go through this message today, may God give us a godly kind of wisdom that will distinctly mark us as Christians. So today we are really going to hit a home run on what godly wisdom is from verses 17 to 18. And if you look at those verses critically, Apostle James talked about eight things that make up godly wisdom. He was just trying to paint a portrait, a biblical, accurate portrait on what true, genuine, and godly wisdom is. So the first one is, it is pure. It's pure. And if, you know, the Bible was written in English as a secondary language. The primary language of the Bible is Greek in the New Testament, Hebrew in the Old. So when, what we have received in English is a translation. And, and sometimes when you are translating languages, sometimes some words tend to drop or they get lost in meaning or lost in translation. For example, you can't compare English to Hebrew or Greek because Greek, especially Greek, has an extensive amount of vocabulary that makes English so limited and so finite. So sometimes the real meaning and the real uh, wording that the Greek will use, English will not be able to find the exact meaning or, or, or what to replicate it. So they will just use any word that seems close to it to explain the point. I hope you understand me. But when you look at this word pure, the Greek meaning of the word pure is normally hagnos. It talks about undefiled, sanctified holiness. It uses the word hagnos. But when you look at this word pure, it doesn't use the word hagnos. It's not talking about pure, undefiled, or sanctified. So in the New Testament, anywhere you see the word holy, sanctified, undefiled, pure, it normally uses the word hagnos. It means undefiled. But here, it uses a completely different Greek word. So when the Bible talks about this wisdom is first pure, it's not talking about undefiled. It's talking about truth or verity. So the, the picture it paints here is that this wisdom is whole. It's talking about wholeness. People who operate in this kind of wisdom, they experience a certain kind of wholeness. This wisdom is first truth. It's first verifiable. I believe in this social media age, one of the things we all understand is verifiable or verified accounts, right? It, it, it means that the person behind the profile is the exact correct image representing that picture. I do remember at times when, you know, I don't think I, I see that anymore. Passport pictures, you, you go for a reference and then the reference will sign that the person in the picture is the exact replication of what you see in the photo and then they will sign. You know, if it's a doctor, he will use a stamp or something like that. So, wisdom is whole. It's truth. There is verity in this wisdom. It's, it's bigger than truth. There is substance in this wisdom. It is whole. 
Amen. As compared to earthly wisdom, earthly wisdom is not who. People who normally tend to cheat, people who tend to uh, base their wisdom on envy and self-seeking, they have lack in their lives. And that is what will make them do what they do. They are normally hurting. Hurt people will hurt people. Deceive people will deceive people. Envious people will envy people. People who are victims of being uh, um, um, self or, or who, who, who have been based their life on selfishness, they will also give you that same cup and that same reward of selfishness because they tasted it. So it's talking about wholeness. So one of the things that you will have to notice about anybody who operates in godly wisdom is wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. It comes to a place of absolute verity and absolute truth. Amen. The second thing that we see is peaceable. This wisdom is peaceable. And this word peaceable is talking about someone who is pacific or who loves peace. A typical example is in 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 12. The Bible talks about Solomon who made peace. He had an alliance of peace with a king called Hiram. And Hiram was the king of Tyre. You know, if you read your Bible and if you know your Bible a little bit, Tyre and Sidon and Israel were not really on very good terms. The only time they seemed to enjoy harmonious relationship was during the reign of David and Solomon. But if you read 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 12 in particular, the Bible lets us know that Solomon was able to make peace with King Hiram of Tyre because of wisdom. When you have wisdom, you make peace. You love peace. You are not quarrelsome. Your level of wisdom is not in quarrelsome. Or how much you can argue. Your level of wisdom shows in how much peace you are allowed to prevail. That is a wise person. Amen. The third thing that we see here is gentleness. And the word gentleness here means fair and firm. It also means harmless. And if you do remember, when we went through our Midweek Bible study series on the book of Philippians, we came to a very important scripture in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, which says that, let your gentleness be known. Let your moderation be known to all men. And that word gentleness and moderation is just the same. It means to be fair, to be firm, and to be harmless. When we are talking about someone who is gentle, we are talking about someone who is harmless and someone who is fair. And we know that to be fair, you have to be firm. Amen. So wisdom also has to do with gentility. So when you are wise, you are gentle. You are gentle as in you are fair. You don't play partisan politics. You are fair. And to be fair, you have to be fair. Because sometimes it's very painful to be fair. But you are fair. You believe in fairness, yet you are also harmless. That is gentility. Amen. Now, the fourth thing is willing to yield. 
And when we talk about willing to yield, we are talking about one who is easily obedient or compliant. And a typical example is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you read Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says that he humbled himself and went to the cross. That is a picture of heavenly or godly wisdom at play. A feature of that has to do with one who willingly yields, who obeys, who is compliant. Today, the question that you ask yourself is that when I am at work, do I display godly wisdom or do I display wisdom which is earthly, sensual, or demonic? Because people who tend and claim they are wise, yet they are causing so much confusion and, and, and so much chaos at their work, it is not a sign of wisdom. When you are wise, you are easily compliant and you are willing to yield. And it doesn't mean that people will take you for a fool because they are not really in the same bracket. Amen. Jesus humbled himself willingly to the point of death. That is the picture. The picture is to be subservient to the purpose and the will of God in the now. That's willing to yield. So willing to yield also shows in you submitting and availing yourself to God's purpose. Today, let me ask you this question. Do you know God's purpose for your life? Do you know the will of God for the moment? And if you know the will of God and if you know the purpose of God for the moment, are you subservient? Are you willing to yield? It speaks of our level of wisdom. The fifth feature of wisdom is full of mercy. And when we talk about full of mercy here, it talks about being kind towards people who are miserable or those who are afflicted. And you have a desire to relieve them. You see, you are not just kind to people who are in misery and people who are in affliction. But you have a desire to relieve them. And a typical example was Jesus. When you read Matthew chapter 9 verse 13, the Bible lets us know that he healed a paralytic man. He was kind towards the paralytic man who was in misery and who was in affliction. And when he healed him, he says that, son, your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk. He, didn't, he was not just kind to his misery, but he relieved him of his pain. And then when you read further on, the Bible lets us know that he met one of his disciples called Matthew. He was a tax collector. He saw him and he said, follow me. And he left everything and followed Christ. He relieved Matthew out of the misery of sin, out of the affliction of the bondage of the enemy, and said, come and be my disciple. Excuse me. <clears throat> this is the coughing season, so please be very careful. Amen. Everybody is getting cold and everything all about. Amen. But he, um, um, Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. He relieved him of the misery of sin and the affliction of the enemy to come and follow him as his disciple. And the Pharisees who were watching this, the religious leaders at bay, 
They were like, this man, he just works with sinners. If he knows these people, they have questionable, checkered backgrounds. There's all that. And Jesus made a very important statement. He said, the people who are healthy and the people who are well, they don't need a physician. But it is those who are sick that need a physician. And, and Jesus said something very important. He said, for I came and I don't desire sacrifice, but I desire repentance that was the message of jesus and one day jesus just threw that gauntlet to the same leaders and he said that you you leaders uh, you, you pay your tithes you give tithe of mint anus and cumin but you have omitted the weightier matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness these things you ought to have done and not leave the others undone Kindness. Wisdom means you are kind. Today I'll ask you, show me your wisdom. And if you show me your wisdom, I will judge it by your level of kindness. Are you sympathetic or are you empathetic to the plight of the suffering? And if so... What do you have in store or what plans do you have to alleviate them of their pain and suffering? We cannot boast and say we are wise, yet we overlook the suffering of the masses. Amen. The sixth thing that we see here is full of good fruits. And I want to read this scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20, to support my assertion. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20. Full of good fruits. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 to 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruits. Every bad tree bears bad fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruits, nor can a bad tree bear good fruits. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. You know, Jesus is using a figure of speech here. And he is using trees and fruits to paint a broader picture and a very deeper spiritual truth to the contents of our hearts and our actions. You can't divorce the contents of your hearts from your action. And Jesus said, declare, if your heart is full of evil, you will give birth to evil fruits. If your heart is full of good things and good intentions, you will give birth to good fruits. It's just as simple as that. And Jesus was saying that, watch false prophets who come as angels of light in sheep clothing. And why? Because inwardly, their hearts they have the heart of a beast. 
They don't have a heart of a shepherd. They don't have the heart to teach you the word of God. They have the heart of a beast. They have the heart to take advantage of you. By the time you are under their shepherding and under their pastoring, you will now grow into the image and into the likeness of Christ and you will just be abused outrightly. Why? All because of the content of heart. So what Jesus is talking about here, using a tree and a fruit, is the analogy of the contents of our hearts are the direct, the contents of our hearts will determine our fruits. The fruits of our action, it's a direct result of the contents of our hearts. So if your heart is not good, your fruit is not good. If your heart is light, your fruit is light. If your heart is dark, your fruit is dark. If your heart is evil, your fruit is evil. We should never be surprised at the fruits that we give birth to. We should just check the contents of our hearts. Therefore, when James talks about wisdom is full of good fruits, he is talking about our deeds come from the exponents of our hearts. I pray that, oh Lord, may we be good trees that give birth to good fruits. But we can't give birth to good fruits if the tree is not good. You can't, out of your being, have fruits or works worthy of Christ-likeness when the contents of your hearts are evil. doesn't work that way. Wisdom is judged by, are we full of good fruits? Therefore, this morning, do a heart check. Is your heart full of love? Is your heart full of mercy? Is your heart full of forgiveness? Is your heart full of the love of God? Valentine's Day is coming. One of the things that I think we all have to understand is the love of God. If you don't understand the love of God, it will be very difficult for you to become an outlet for the love of God to flow to other people. It will be very difficult. Therefore, I pray that may the contents of our hearts be good so that God can judge our fruits worthy. Wisdom is full of good fruits. Number seven, wisdom is without partiality. There are some people who claim they are wise, but they are very partial. There are some people who are wise, who claim they are wise, but they practice nepotism. They will never give the person who is qualified the job, but they will look at family ties. That's nepotism. And that's wrong. If you practice nepotism or partiality, it speaks to the level of your wisdom. Biblical wisdom doesn't believe in that. Without partiality, judge everybody on a fair scale. It's without partiality. Sometimes we claim we are wise, but the way we will treat this person will be different from how we will treat that person. And that's wrong. Without partiality. Without partiality. Let the rules be the rules. Don't change the rules. Wisdom is without partiality. 
Jesus was without partiality. And that's why when he was teaching one time, they said, your, 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 your mother and your brothers are looking for you. He said, who, am, who, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? They that do the will of my father. You see, Jesus loves his family. Because it's this same Jesus who said in Psalms that God takes the solitary and sets them in families. God believes in family. Right? Because God and his son, they are one. And if God says that, Jesus believes in that. But Jesus also had to make that distinction clear that when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's not about father, mother, brother, sister, husband, wife. It's about them that do the will of my father. That's it. Some of the major corruptions that happen in the world is because of partiality. People are very partial. And it's not wisdom. You can sack somebody you know, you don't know. But you can't sack somebody you know based on the same crime. You are partial. Are we partial? We can testify against someone in the court of law just because we don't know them. But what about if you also know the person and he's guilty of those transgressions? What are you going to do? You see, your wisdom is going to be tested. And you have a choice whether you are going to act according to the wisdom of the world, which is earthly, sensual, and demonic, or the wisdom of God, which is from above. And the wisdom which is from above doesn't believe in partiality. You give everybody a fair chance and you score everybody equally. You don't say things like, oh, I'll give this position to my wife because she's my wife. That's partiality. You have to give the position based on merits. Meritocracy has to come into play. I find it funny that Americans like to preach a lot about meritocracy. And meritocracy means that your merits will give you a good standing. Your merits get you the job. But some way, somehow, it's not true. It seems to be a virtue that we like to talk about, but really, it's not practiced. It's a fact. Partiality. And partiality is a fruit of the wisdom of the world. And you're a believer, don't be partial. Don't be partial. Don't play partisan politics. Don't do who you know. Okay? Because of your friends. Don't do who you know because of family. Be sincere. And sometimes when you decide to walk that path, it's going to cost you some relationships. But it's better to please the master Please the Lord than just to enjoy temporary pleasure and then face judgment that you were not wise. I prefer to choose the wisdom of God over the applause of men. And when you choose the wisdom of God, it means you will not be partial. 
I treat everybody the same. I'm not going to treat someone different because that is my wife, that is my child, and this is nobody. We treat everybody the same. Everybody deserves equal standing and a fair shake. Isn't it not funny that politicians, when they want our votes, they always campaign for that? They campaign for that. But funny enough, when they come to power, they seem to forget all these uh, um, things that they said. Because it, it is attractive. That is, that is an ideal virtue that will help society run its course. And I pray that may God bring us to the place where of a truth we can say that we have experienced wisdom from God. And, and that one sign that shows that we have experienced wisdom from God is that we are not partial. We are not partial. Are not partial. Without partiality. Demonic wisdom believes in partiality. Demonic wisdom believes in covering friends. When they have done things that are very egregious to society, they believe in covering up. I pray that may God give us boldness to truly live out our Christian calling. And say that we are wise. And when you are wise, it costs. You don't have to be partial. And the last thing, without hypocrisy. Sincere or unfeigned. I like that. When you read First Peter chapter 1, verse 22, Apostle Peter talks about we should have a sincere and unfeigned love for the brethren. Sincere. Today, there are not sincere people in this world. It's funny. I even see it at work all the time. I see people talk so bad about the manager, but when they see them, they just start to. But people are not sincere. People are not sincere. I, I can't stand... I don't know. I, I, I just can't stand... Hypocrites. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. And when you're a Christian, you shouldn't be a hypocrite. If you say you love me, love me in my presence, love me in my absence. I'd rather prefer for you to say you hate me than to say you love me. Because it's just the same. Because telling me that you love me in my presence and then hate me in my absence is just equivalent to you hate me in my person and in my presence. So say that. But today we believe in too much plastic things. We are not straightforward. <coughs> you see that everywhere. Today they are not even leaders. Today, today you can't even find a good supervisor, even at workplace. All because people are not willing to be sincere. They will talk bad about you behind their backs, but when they see you, they can't say the truth. They, they can't. And when you're a Christian, may God give you that boldness to be sincere. Be sincere at all times. Be sincere. Let your yea be yea. Let your nay be nay. When you are sincere, you will not encourage gossip in the absence of your friend. You will not do it. But people are not sincere. Today, there is lack of sincerity. People are hypocrites. 
hypocrites. They see you, they will smile, but behind you they will be saying bad things and worse things. It's, it's a common habit. But when we choose to operate in the wisdom of God, we are sincere. Let me go through the eight points real quick and we end our sermon. When we talk of godly wisdom, there are eight features that marks our godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is not determined by how oratorial you are or how well of a good speaker you are or how well you can read your speech to captivate the hearts and and receive the applause of many. Godly wisdom is not determined by even how much you know. Sometimes you will see people who may know a lot. They know current events. They know about finances. They know about mortgages. They know about life. They know about marriage. Everything, a whole lot. The whole pack, even about religion and so on. Then we say, oh, he is wise. What shows? That shows he is wise. It's just knowledge. It's deeper than that. Apostle John says that when we are talking about wisdom, wisdom is determined by good conduct and works. And the good there is relative. When we are talking about conduct that is good, it is conduct that is in line with God's will and God's will. Are you growing into the image and the likeness of Christ? That is good conduct. And then works. Because you can't divorce character from works. And there are eight features Godly wisdom has some truth or verity. It's pure. It's talking about wholesomeness. People who practice this kind of wisdom, they are not deficient. They don't have a lack. You can't practice this kind of godly wisdom when you lack. You can't practice this kind of godly wisdom when you are emotionally bruised or emotionally abused. You can't. There is some wholeness That counts of this godly wisdom. The second thing is that it's peaceable. You believe in making peace, making pacts. You don't fight people not because you are not strong. You don't fight people not because you are a coward. You don't fight people because it is a sign of wisdom that you have from God. The third thing, you are gentle. You are fair and firm, yet harmless. Number four, you are willing to yield. Easily compliant. People who are not easily compliant, they create confusion everywhere. And it's because of selfishness. And when we are talking about someone who is easily compliant, it doesn't mean what it means. Amen. Number five, you are full of mercy. Number six, full of good fruits. Number seven, godly wisdom doesn't practice partiality. And number eight, godly wisdom is without hypocrisy. I like what verse 18 of the scripture we just read said. Wisdom is referred as a fruit of righteousness. And the Bible lets us know it is sown in peace by those who make peace. Ladies and gentlemen, godly wisdom is only attainable when one is a Christian. When we are talking about one has made peace, we are talking about making peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, we have this peace with God. We have been justified. When you have made peace with God, you are the person, you are the candidates that qualifies to sow this fruit of righteousness 
call godly wisdom. So I pray this morning, as we end this sermon, that may we seek this godly wisdom and that may it be manifested in our lives that of a truth we are wise people indeed. Bow down your heads. In the next 30 seconds, ask the Lord for godly wisdom. The Lord said, if you ask, I'll give it to you. God doesn't condemn us. Sometimes God has to give us a message just to show us the error of our ways so that we will correct it by asking him in humility that of a truth, I need this wisdom. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for wisdom. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we've heard your word. And in obedience to your word, oh Lord, we ask for wisdom. Heavenly Father, grant our hearts cry. Grant our request. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.